All right, welcome back to the Mob Squad Pod. This is episode 20, presented by Blue Wire Hustle. This week, I've got Manny with me. Manny, how you doing? How you feeling? What's up, my man? I felt great. Uh, I feel like uh, the defense actually showed up on Monday night, so that was a plus um, after last game. And offensively, you wanted more things. But hey, listen, a W is a W, right? So I'll take it. Yeah, it looked, it looked pretty good, I would say based on all of the the wins we have against lesser than opponents in the NFC East, we finally played somebody who wasn't an NFC East team and we got a win. I felt like the team looked pretty good overall. Um, definitely still room for some improvement. There were definitely some moments where I was scratching my head, uh, but a win's a win, now five and two. So this week what we're going to do is we're going to recap the game against the Bears and then we're going to do a preview of the Dolphins game. And we're actually going to have a special guest for that one. Um, so stay tuned. That one should be pretty good. Uh, overall, the final score ended up being 24 to 10. Fifth win of the season, like we said. Uh, all, all the phases of the game look to be pretty good. Uh, I still have my concerns on the offensive side. I don't know how you felt about this, Manny. But I personally felt like they should have been running the ball a lot more. What did you think? No, for sure. I, I Listen, the team ended up with 160 yards rushing, which still is pretty, pretty good. But I felt like in the first half, a lot of plays were left on the field. Um, those third down screens and those little things that, once again, we've seen that have cost the Rams games in the in the past. Once again, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you had an opportunity to establish the run even more, and you decided to go away from that because, listen, we know how Sean is, right? Uh, but thankfully, it, it was against a Bears defense that it seemed like, you know, um, they were prepared per se. But, you know, what I'm saying like we did enough, um, you know, offensively to actually go over that hump. Um, I felt like golf missed some throws here and there. But still, you know, when you actually total up 150 yards plus against a top NFL side on defense, I guess, you know, those are things that you say, you know what, you went out there, you did what you had to do. Um, and you got the W, but still, it feels like there's still being there's there's still plays out there, which it seems like we're seeing quite often, right? After games that end up in the win column, that there's still plays out there that you feel like you know we could have, you know, done more than what we did. But you know what? Listen, it's 2020. You take the W, you move on. Um, but I hope that Sean, he's kind of realizing that the little things he loves to do, teams are onto them, and you know you need to be able to multitask per se in this league and. I hope that he, you know, he starts to see that more and more and somebody tells him, hey, you know what, let's change it up a bit. Let's do something different. You know, let's go towards the opposite side of the field through, you know, through like a motion play or listen, these screens, everybody knows about. It's what's it's it's basically what Sean McVay has done throughout his entire Rams head coach tenure. And I think it's just time that you need, you know, not to say they go away from it, but if you're going to show it, try to come up with different schemes per se to go and run it. Right. Yeah, I can't remember the phrasing I used specifically, but I remember watching the game on Monday night. I tweeted out something to the effect of if I see one more crappy screen on third mm -hmm. down, I'm turning this game off. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know why Sean thinks that that's like a new thing that people aren't going to see coming, but he seems to think that he can just either out scheme them. And even if they know it's coming, they can still do it or or what the deal is, but these like really bad screens on third down aren't fooling anybody and they're not getting us first down. So that definitely needs to sharpen up. Uh, definitely some throws missed by Goff that again, 
when you see the replay, you're like, what the hell was that? Who is he throwing it to? How'd he miss that? So definitely some things need to clean up. But like you said, a W is a W and it wasn't really that close of a game at all. Uh, so hard to make complaints, but we know going forward when we're playing some of the better teams in the league, especially when we get to the playoffs, we're going to need everyone to be 100% on their game. Uh, we had some good breakout. I would I maybe breakout performances strong, but we had some good performances from players that you might not expect. Josh Reynolds had a good game. Johnny Munt had a good game, which we needed, obviously, because Tyler Higby was a surprise scratch. And uh, Gerald Everett stepped up as well. So it was good to see some other people on the offense step up. It you know We don't always have to rely on Cooper Cup. Don't always have to rely on Robert Woods, uh, whatever the case may be. So it's nice to see some of those other guys step up and, and we can get some wins with them. The other mm -hmm. big note I think we would all agree is the Sam Sloman experiment that oh. was going on. That, <laughs> yeah, that needed to stop, and it did. On Tuesday, he got released. Uh, the Rams brought in Kai Forbath, so it looks like going forward, he's going to be the kicker. Uh, Sloman did make some kicks. He made a 22-yarder. Uh, but he had a 48-yard attempt blocked. Uh, he seemed to have this trend where he was kicking a lot of balls low that were leading to a lot of misses and blocks. Mm -hmm. So obviously just wasn't reliable enough. So that experiment's over with, and we'll see what Kai Forbath can give us. Um, I mean, I guess the good news is it couldn't be worse than Sloman. So we'll see. The defense, obviously, like Manny said, defense stepped up and has been pretty much huge i would say probably the biggest shining point of this rams team is the defense i know a lot of people like to say sean mcveigh young guy offensive genius blah 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 but this is a defense first team i think if anyone says otherwise they're not paying attention to the team so based on what we've seen so far manny do you think that this is the best i guess is this the best defense in the nfl do you think this is the best defense in the nfc do you think that's an overreaction to even put them in that best category? I mean, listen, for sure to me personally, I think the Rams are a top defense in the NFL. Um, I still believe that when the Ravens are on their tag game, especially now that they traded um, for, I forget how to pronounce his name, the DN from Jacksonville that got traded to Minnesota and now they traded for him. Um, I truly feel that the Ravens, though, off, um, defensively in all positions is still the best. But the Rams, listen, the Rams have the key players in play, right, to become the best. But, of course, I'm not going to say that as of yet. I still need to see much more better communication in the linebacking position. I need to see better tackling, which it looked like it was fixed a little bit, per se. Um, I still see a lot of guys confused in coverage. Um, listen, there's no secret to the Bears here, right? They've, they've won five games, but they've won five games because of their defense, right? I mean, you know, their top guy, Allen Robinson, he's nothing special. Um, and still, you know what I'm saying, you stuffed them in the running game, less than 50 yards total for the game. Um, you needed to do that. And, you know, you know what Nick Foles is. You know, Nick Foles, you know, he'll he'll throw a five-yard pass and he might throw an 18-yarder here and there if you give him time. But this is when your defensive line had to step up. They did. They forced two interceptions. They, they had four sacks. Those are things that is, I guess, expected on a game-to-game -game basis, right? So as long as those things happen in the game, you're giving your offense the football back and you're giving, you know, those minds, um, you know, an, an extra opportunity. What did hurt, though, was Terrell Burgess going down, unfortunately. Um, you know, he had a – I thought he had a very good campaign so far in his rookie season, especially during 2020, which, as we know, there was no offseason. Everything was through virtual Zooms. 
Um, hurts to see him go. That creates less less depth for me in the back end. But you know, this is when guys like leaders like Ramsey and John Johnson and you know to, you know Floyd and Rap like listen Taylor Rap. I need to see more big plays, please. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about that. I was hoping that maybe he would have taken a positive step, which I feel like he has. Listen, it's only his second year, but you know him and I do understand it's a new defensive scheme, but. You know, a player that already has that experience in the first year in the league heading into the second, you want to see that jump. I haven't seen that lately. And But, you know, besides that, we know that the strength of the team is up front. And, you know, if those guys are creating the plays up front, um, you're always giving, you know, your team the best chance to win. So that's how I feel. Yeah. The defense, I think, is pretty special. Uh, um, Leonard Floyd is – he already surpassed his 2019 sack total – already and he had two on monday which you would expect him coming in playing against a former team he's going to be pretty fired up so hopefully going forward leonard floyd is kind of hitting his stride because like we said last week he's been one of those guys that the bears drafted him with really high expectations and thought he was going to be uh, a pretty dominant pass rusher and that just never really materialized Mm -hmm. so if we could get that production when he's on the rams and he turns into that other piece against uh, or alongside Aaron Donald, that'd be great. Uh, the defense only gave up 279 yards, which is just 4.6 yards per play. So again, really strong, looking good. Uh, before I move on, though, I will hit on your point on Taylor Rapp just because I do have an opinion on this, obviously. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, last year, whenever Taylor Rapp was on the field, I got really excited. I liked that he was on the field because I felt like he was an impact kind of player. I felt like he was a hard hitting guy fast. Uh, I like, I liked what he brought to the defense. And this year, when I see he's on the field, I immediately get worried because Mm -hmm. a lot of the times when I've seen replays of big plays in the passing game, it's always a trailing guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's been Taylor rap either covering the wrong guy. Like he's doubling the wrong person and someone's like running free down the middle or down the sideline or whatever the case may be, he's always behind somebody. So anytime I see him in the game, I get immediately worried about a big pass play happening. I don't really worry about him too much in the running game. I've seen him take some kind of bad angles, though, this year, and that leads to some poor tackling. But I, I, I think it's more to do with just a new defensive scheme. Uh, I don't know if it's – I don't think he's a bad player. I'm not ready to say that. No, no, no. Way, way too early. Way too early. Yeah. Yeah. So I think just a little bit of an adjustment period there. I'm not too worried about him going forward. It might just take a little bit of time to kind of work out the kinks, but still glad he's on the team. Not going to say he's a bust or anything. No, you know what I'm saying? Listen, he came into last year um, a different coaching side – Obviously, had to go through the progressions there as a rookie. And then, obviously, listen, we all know that 2020 wasn't easy on anyone, right? So, you bring in a new, new defensive coach, new-minded, not really a new scheme per se because it's still a 3-4, um, you know, so you weren't you weren't going to escape from that. But it's I guess it's just the small things, right? Uh, you don't expect for him to always be the guy around, um, around the ball carrier during a big play. If, if anything, you want him there to make the tackle or you want him there to do a pass breakup. But, you know what I'm saying, maybe this defensive – you know, in the back end is more complex, but I would think it's much easier when you have a guy like Jalen Ramsey that could definitely, you know, shut down the other team's best wide receiver, at least, or at least one side of the field, not to mention personally, you have one of the best pass rushers that has ever played the game besides Deacon Jones, in my opinion, in, in Aaron Donald. Um, so having 
thinking about those two things, like I said, I don't play the game. I'm, I'm, I'm not a coach. I'm just a fan that watches every single day. Um, I, I just would think that more plays would be happening. Listen, picks are not going to be there. I understand that. But something more positivity, per se, um, especially going in your second year, which, you know, what, you want to see that growth. You want to see that improvement. And through what? What week are we in now? Seven, eight? Through, the, you know, these upcoming weeks, we haven't yet seen them. Not say it's going to happen. Maybe it happens towards the end, which would be absolutely fantastic and great because I truly feel that this Rams team it can only stop themselves, right? They could only stop themselves from winning the division. They can only stop. Listen, Seattle was proven on Sunday night that they are beatable, you know? Mm-hmm. And I didn't believe it, Nick, but my goodness, Arizona has laid the blueprint, Okay. And I truly feel that the Rams can only stop themselves from winning this division, and they're going to need Taylor Rapp to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, speaking of Seattle, before I forget, they did make a trade because the trade deadline's coming up. They did trade for the Bengals' uh, Carlos Dunlap, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of boost he gives them on their defensive front because the Seahawks have had virtually no pass rush whatsoever. So mm-hmm. interesting to see if he gives them anything. It'll hard to imagine he doesn't give them something because – a little bit's better than nothing, which is what they've been getting. But yeah, the the blueprint for beating Seattle, at least to me, and from what I saw um, on that game, you got to throw the ball uh, a, a lot of a lot of passes, and having a mobile quarterback certainly helps because when you put that defense against a wall and they're very vulnerable to the passing game, and then they also have to try and cover you in the backfield as a runner, that's that seems to be a little too much for them. And even so, that was still a very close game, and that one could have gone either way. But it'll be interesting to see kind of going forward how Seattle reacts and if teams start to exploit that because they definitely are vulnerable against the pass. They're pretty stout against the run, but against the pass, they're very, very vulnerable. So interesting to see how that goes uh, going forward. One last note that I wanted to talk about uh, on the Bears before we move on to our Dolphins preview. Johnny Hecker was an absolute weapon for the Rams uh, if you've been following this team for a while, you know that Johnny Hecker is probably the best punter in the league, and he has been the best punter in the league for quite some time now. And while some people would say that that's probably you know a moot point or stupid because he's the punter, who cares? But he proved on Monday, if you have a good punter, that's a very valuable weapon to have in your back pocket. He punted five times, and all five of his punts put the team inside the 10-yard line. His punts landed at the 10 the seven, the one, the six, and the five. That's incredible to give your defense that kind of starting position, especially when you're playing an offense like the Bears have where they're not very explosive. If you can pin them back that far, that's a huge advantage. So shout out Johnny Hecker. Uh, He won special teams player of the week for the NFC for his performance as well. He should have. That was a phenomenal performance. So having him as a weapon in special teams is huge. I love me some Johnny Hecker. Any other points you wanted to make on the Bears game before we move on to the Dolphins, Manny? No, no. Um, I feel like the team went out there. They did what they needed to do. Obviously, we already have once again said what the offense needs to change. I don't think the defense needs much because it's like I said, like their strength is up front. So once that gets going, it helps the back end. And um, overall, you know, I'm saying I feel like it was a good team win. Um, You know, not saying that the Bears are not good, but we know that how they got their five wins is because of their defense. So, um, you know, I'm saying, listen, keep it going. 
Um, there shouldn't be any excuses why you shouldn't be able to beat the Miami Dolphins, especially with Tua starting um, his first ever game. Um, listen, you know, Aaron Donald up front, Jalen Ramsey in the back end. This is when the rookies, <laughs> like, this is when you kind of see where your team stands. Not to say that this game is going to tell what the Rams are, but there should be no excuses why this game should be even close. Absolutely yeah. even close by halftime. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I think it's going to be more of a statement game for the Dolphins than it is for the Rams. I think the Dolphins are going to have a good indicator of uh, where they are going forward as opposed to where the Rams are going forward. So we'll see. We're going to go ahead and bring on our guests, and we're going to do our Dolphins preview. All right, Rams fans, we're back. We're doing our Dolphins preview, and we actually have a guest with us this week. So we got Alf Artiaga of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Alf, thanks for coming on. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully, I didn't butcher your name too bad. No, you got it pretty good this time. All right, awesome, awesome. I like that. <laughs> there I, we go. I don't like getting people's names wrong. It's like a pet peeve of mine. I really don't. So the Rams are going against the Dolphins, who are, in some people's eyes, you know, kind of a surprisingly three and three through six games. Uh, the, the, I guess you could say the AFC East is kind of a surprise as a whole because there's a lot going on over there. Uh, and for whatever reason, they have made the decision to switch to a new quarterback, and we're going to be going against uh, Tua. And this is going to be his first start as a pro. The first question that I had for you, Alf, that I wanted to just kind of address off the bat, I'm sure you probably saw this one coming, why why the quarterback change now? Well, a lot of people didn't expect them to be three and three. They actually expected to be better inside that building. And inside that building, they really feel that their team was ready to take the next step and start winning games. So this season, that's why they went out in free agency and spent all that money. That's why they're playing so many young guys early. And they really feel that this is an upgrade to win games now. So... It was going to happen eventually. It just made perfect sense that the bye week came when it came, and then that they decided to use that as the perfect time to start Tua Tonga Bailoa. Yeah, just I, I don't know. Maybe because I don't follow the Dolphins uh, really closely, it just seemed like Ryan Fitzpatrick was doing pretty decent this year, and it seemed like such a shock that they just decided, well, yeah, you're doing okay, you're doing good, but Tua's our guy going forward. It just caught me off guard. Well, that's the uh, thing. And if you listen to ESPN and you listen to the national media, you would think that Ryan Fitzpatrick was up for MVP this year. Uh -huh. But if you had dug into each game, he played really well against Buffalo and the Dolphins lost. They lost by a field goal. But he was really good there. He was absolutely atrocious to open the season against New England. And you could almost hang that loss on him as he threw three picks. The game against Seattle, they kicked five field goals. They got into the red zone seven times and got one touchdown out of it. And most of it was him missing guys wide open. So you can make the argument that this is an attempt to upgrade the quarterback position. So I guess at this point, if they've already made the decision to go with Tua, there's no questions about his health or his hip of those. Uh, there are no questions there. No, no. Uh, okay. He, he's been cleared uh, on our podcast. We reported that they, they were going to feel really comfortable and about four weeks into the season is when he was going to get, get the 100% clearance from the doctors. And that's when they were probably going to be uh, comfortable enough to play him. And sure enough, that's exactly when he played. He played a couple of weeks later. So, yeah, he's 100% right now. Okay. 
So I guess my first, my, my next question I'll ask you just kind of related to Dol- the Dolphins defense and maybe their strategy against the Rams. Obviously, Brian Flores was on the staff on the with the Patriots when the Patriots beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. Do you think that that's going to have any kind of carryover effect there? Do you think that this team might be more uniquely qualified to handle the Rams? Are you worried about you know facing the Rams? Because I also saw the Dolphins are 30th against the run, which I know the Rams, they don't run, in my opinion, as much as they should. But as far as facing this Rams offense, how do you think that the Dolphins are going to handle that? Well, the, the Rams haven't changed much since then as far as their offensive philosophy. They run a lot of 11 personnel and some 12 personnel. And then they like to flip formations, and then they like to show you the same looks. And then later on in the game, they give you the same look, but they do <laughs> the exact opposite mm-hmm. of what they did earlier in the game. So they haven't changed much since then. What the Dolphins have done is they've changed some of the things that they've do, done on defense this year as the season has gone on. They started the season off playing a lot of man coverage. And as time has gone on, they've brought up more blitzes. They... They're getting a little bit more creative and playing a lot of more zone, which is odd considering all the corners that they have. But it, if they get back to what they've done you know, traditionally, which is play a lot of man and send a lot of blitzes, it'll be right back to what they were doing in that Super Bowl for New England. So this defense on, on Miami is, an, is a carbon copy of what the Patriots had as far as scheme and how tricky they can get from time to time. And they're getting trickier by the week. Yeah. And so uh, my – note about the Dolphins being 30th against the run does that concern you at all or not concern you it's the main concern it's the main concern because uh the Dolphins should in this game and you know I break down the all 22 every single week and you look at it and you say okay they play right into the Dolphins hands if they're if they're going to throw it 45 times in this game but I would bet I would bet dollars to donuts that the Rams are looking at the Dolphins tendencies to play a lot of nickel and a lot of dime and decide, you know what, we're going to go with those same, same looks, the same 11 personnel looks and just run it out of there and run it out of there 30 times. So that's the concern is that they control the clock and the time of possession by running against the Dolphins nickel defense. Okay. Awesome. Hey, so um, I, I, I think you, you described the Rams offense so well, because, <laughs> because it's basically, it is, what it is right and then you know there's there's times where sean just he wants to just do what he wants and you know my point to nick and it's been like this all season and then listen it's fine if you sh- if you show the same looks but sometimes you got to change it up because the defenses as they go on this is still the nfl adjustments are made you know what i'm saying this is not collegiate where you don't have athletes the nfl you know whatever team it is they're gonna have athletes and they're kind of they're you know they're gonna know you know, what could be coming next and whatnot. So my, my thing has always been you got to change it up per se. But really quickly, back to Tua. I think that this is such an amazing opportunity for a lot of Dolphin fans, um, especially in my generation, because um, I was born in 88. I don't remember much about Marino except, you know, I watched his last couple of years. And unfortunately, we, you know, for most Dolphin fans, they watched him lose that bad playoff game up in Jacksonville. And that was basically the only highlight that I could remember. This is the biggest Dolphin game to me personally that I have that I will ever witness and or at least seen um, since I would probably say that Marino playoff game, um, you know, because I don't feel like it's the same hype as you know Ryan Tannehill's first start, um, you know, not even a Jay Freeler, not even a Cleo Lemon. I mean, there's so many quarterbacks that we can go through from the whole Dolphins thing, but to me personally, 
this is one of the most biggest games in franchise history for this team. Um, for you, though, this is the biggest Dolphins game since when? Okay, that's a really, really good question. I think, well, let's go back to the last important game, right? Which was in 2016. They play in the playoffs. Against, against Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Against Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Nobody thought that was an important game. I remember. I mean, it's Matt uh, Moore. <laughs> Fortunately. Yeah, it was Matt Moore. And, and if you go back, and it's hard to remember all the way back, you know, four years ago to that team. That team went into the playoffs falling apart. They were missing three offensive linemen. They had Devontae Parker injured. Although he, I think I believe he ended up suiting up for that game, they were com- they were a complete injured mess going into that game against Pittsburgh. Nobody expected them to win, and they didn't win. They just played tight for a half, and then they got blown out in the second half. So I wouldn't say that's important. But as far as for the fans, I guess the game in Buffalo that year to clinch a playoffs mm-hmm. correct was kind All of right. important. Mm-hmm. But universally important, I would say that Jet game in 2008 to win the division, the division. against Brent Favre, like that's probably the biggest Dolphin game. The Chad since. Pennington to Anthony Fasano. Yes. <laughs> wow. That's a, <laughs> that's a long time ago, right? <laughs> For sure. But yeah, as, after then, they, they played some big games on Sunday night against the Jets also when the Jets were really good. And they won. That was a game where... where uh, Ronnie Ronnie Brown scored at the buzzer to win. Remember, I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember that one out of the yeah. Wildcat. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's been a while. As far as like at a really important game where everybody's really in tune, yeah, it's been a long time. So heading into this Sunday, it's Tua's first start, and man, if you if you would have told me that his first start would have been against Aaron Donald, I would have said you you're just kidding, right? I mean, no, possibly, there's no damn way. But, man, the Dolphins, I think, have picked up a, a once-in-a-lifetime offensive lineman. I know you love him a lot. A lot of people still don't know his name, and a lot of people don't give him enough credit. I don't care what pro football talk tells me. I don't care what anybody else tells me, man. But this this offensive lineman out of Georgia is something special, man. Um, do you believe that they have what it takes to at least contain Aaron Donald? Because, listen, you can't really contain him for 60 minutes, but at least to try to at least, um, you know, to create – less pressure up the middle so that Tua can actually have time to throw. Um, and then also knowing that Jalen Ramsey, he's already going to be on Parker no matter what, right? I mean, there's no other big playmaking on that also, on that side of the ball besides Parker. So, you know, you could probably say that, you know, that Ramsey, he's going to shadow him wherever he goes. Um, but, you know, can the offensive line of the Dolphins hold up against that, that D-line strength of the Rams on Sunday? Well, it's going to take, you know, it's going to take all of them, really. Uh when you watch teams and how they game plan for Aaron Donald, some teams uh, flat out ignore him and block him one-on-one, and he tends to wreck those teams. Some teams pay too much attention, and then his teammates get over on their opponent. So it has to be a mix of both, and you just have to be mindful of where he is at all times. If you watched how the 49ers played him, they were mindful of him, and sometimes Mm -hmm. they didn't even block him. And Mm -hmm. what they would do is – Sometimes they just run plays away from him, let him free, and let him pursue the play. If he pursues the play and makes the, the tackle five yards down the field, that's fine because then, you know, we used, we, we used 11 to block or we used 10 to block your, your 10, you know. So mm-hmm. it, it makes sense, you know, to pay a lot of attention to Aaron Donald, but it really doesn't. It doesn't really help you in the long run. You have to be mindful of where he is and just game plan around that. Just be mindful of where he is. You just you don't cut him loose, but you got to be mindful of where he is. As far as Jalen Ramsey traveling with Devontae Parker, 
Uh, I've seen a lot of their all 22 and the Rams tend to, you know, either flip them or they just keep them on one side for an entire game. But it also depends on who they play against, you know? Mm -hmm. So I did see him travel a little bit with, with Allen Robinson on Monday night, but then that stopped. So I don't know what their plan is going to be, but um, I think they have to be, uh, if the Rams think that Parker's all they have to worry about, they got to worry about Preston Williams, who has almost a thousand yards. Mike Isicki to me is going to be a huge factor, yeah. though, not only for this game, but at least for Tua to grow as a quarterback yeah. for sure, right? Yeah, and somebody and somebody showed me the stats the other day. Uh, you know, Preston Williams has almost a thousand yards receiving in his last twelve games, and he has nine touchdowns. If that man so, could just catch those deep balls, man, it'd be such yes. a great deep threat there with Parker. My goodness, for Tua for the future. Yeah. So you know, it's mm. it's it's going to be it's interesting because the the Rams do certain things that should help Tua. Because they really don't disguise a lot of things. They just try to line up and beat you with their superior players. But they do some things that should help Tua. And one thing that, that Tua must do in this game is that he can't get greedy because the Rams do like to give you a lot of the short zone. And if they keep giving you the short zone, sometimes you just have to take it. Don't try to force things. Because when you try to force things is usually when you get into trouble against that defense. Yeah, and we've definitely seen too, like in the Forty Nine er. I was gonna say the Forty Nine er game. They took all those passes behind the line of scrimmage and all those dink and dunk plays, and the Rams couldn't tackle. So, if the Dolphins come in and do that, and the Rams can't tackle, then we've already seen that's a recipe for success against the team. So, that's very possible. Uh, I wanted to go back to the Dolphins' offense really quick and just ask you this. Last week against the Bears, we saw some guys that kind of stepped up that we haven't really seen do a whole lot this year. Josh Reynolds, Johnny Munt. Um, we had, you know, just guys kind of stepping up and, and helping us with the win. As far as the Dolphins offense goes, I know Devontae Parker is probably the name that most people know, but I'm with Manny. I think Mike Gesicki is going to be uh, a big part of this game if the Dolphins have a chance at winning. Is there anybody else that we should kind of be on the lookout for that you think could step up or do you think should step up for the Dolphins to keep up on offense? Yeah, the Dolphins do something very interesting uh, as far as what the, uh, their personnel groupings on offense. Sometimes they'll come out and Mike Gusecki won't be on the field at all and they'll have two two tight ends on the field. They have Durham Smith or Smythe, like, he, like some people say his name, and Adam Shaheen. And then, uh, you, you know, you would say, okay, they're telegraphing that they're going to run the ball because they have their two blocking tight ends. Uh, no, sometimes they actually just throw it over the top with those two guys. So they do tricky things as far as their personnel grouping. Now, Tua is a guy who can throw into tighter windows and doesn't need receivers with big catch radiuses. And that's something that Ryan Fitzpatrick always had. And that's why some people have speculated that Devontae Parker and Preston Williams have had all the success because Ryan Fitzpatrick tends to throw him a lot of 50-50 balls. But that's not the case with Tua. Tua can't throw to guys with smaller catch radiuses. And there's a there's a king of I'm open on tape on this team, and it's Jakeem Grant. Like, if there were a award for being, okay, I'm wide open on tape, but nobody saw me and nobody threw the ball to me, it's Jakeem Grant. And the reason is because you can't see him because he's so small. But he's a guy that should – you know, reap some benefit of Tua Tungvaluwa being the, the quarterback now. And he's fast, and he can catch it. So if they can unleash him, it'll be well worth it. Okay. Uh, and for 
any Rams fans or that are like me that really wanted to see the Rams run the ball a lot more against Chicago. Uh, hopefully that's the case this week. And hopefully Sean McVay doesn't do one of those ego things where he just wants to prove he's smarter than the other team. Third down screen, third down screen, third down screen. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, the dolphins have one of the best quarterback cornerback mm-hmm. uh, tandems in the NFL, Xavier Howard and uh, Byron Jones are phenomenal their completion percentages are under 50%. So if we're going to try and get cute and do anything in the passing game, that might not work out well for us. Uh, We'll go ahead and get into some of the injury reports. Uh, Manny had mentioned earlier, Terrell Burgess suffered a broken ankle, so he's done for the season. That's the biggest news, obviously, coming into the week. And so far this season, that's the biggest injury the Rams have had to deal with. On the injury front, by and large, we've been pretty pretty lucky. No major injuries to any stars or anything like that. Um, the Rams injury report that I looked at today was pretty light. Tyler Higby with his hand injury, he's still limited, so don't know if he's going to play. Uh, we had some other people that popped up on the injury report, like Andrew Whitworth and Aaron Donald, but they weren't injury-related, so no issues or concerns going on there. As far as the Dolphins, uh, I've got a couple names on here, but it doesn't look like anything is going to be too major. Uh, Devontae Parker has a groin injury, so he was limited. Bobby McCain, one of the safeties, has an ankle, a little bit limited. Alf, I'm sure you probably have a little bit more insight into some of these injuries than just the injury report itself. Uh, Are there any injuries going into this week that we should keep an eye on? Uh, not that, not that I know of. Uh, although Devonte Parker's been on the injury report since he was drafted, so okay, you know, I, that's fair. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't way. put too much on that. Although he, you know, all year he's been complaining about one thing or the other, and he seems to show up. And it's, you know, he's kind of turned a corner on that because he came out and he said, "Look, this is not, uh, you know, I, I got paid, so from now on, you know, I'm not injured. I got to go play through through these little knickknack injuries." When before he used to sit out two, three games, so. The one that well, because now he's happy, though, Alf, right? I mean, yeah, before, I, I mean, listen, like we've seen what the Jets are with Adam Gase. I mean, can you blame the guy? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, before, <laughs> before he used to like, okay, I'm out. Uh, my hamstring hurts. And then you were like, okay, why is he out for now three weeks already? You know? <laughs> yeah. But since they, since they paid him last year, he's been, you know, he's been a model citizen and he plays through injury. So, All yeah, right. there's nothing. There's they, they really have no injuries that, you know, the Bobby McCain one is significant if it's real. Although he was limited, so that bodes well for the Dolphins. That's really the only one that I would look at. Calvin Oy has been in and out of the the lineup the last few weeks. That's a guy that they need healthy for this game. Okay, I would agree. Uh, as far as the betting lines go for this one, uh, Vegas seems to think that this is going to be a pretty close game, even with a rookie coming in and making his first start. The Rams are only three and a half point favorites. Uh, the over under is set at 45 and a half, and the Rams' money line is only plus 150. So Vegas seems to think that this game's going to be pretty close. Uh, as far as our actual game predictions go, Manny, I'll go ahead and start with you. Um, cause you're also kind of a Miami guy and then, uh, I'll, I'll go to Al yeah. Manny. What's your prediction for this game? Who do you think wins? Well, Nick, real quickly before I say that, Alf, real quick on this story about Xavier Howard. Um, listen, we've all been in the media business. We all know that sometimes we try to do our, our, our very best to come out with the story first. Somehow I feel like, um, you know, listen, naming no names, listen, cause we, we all try to do the same thing because this is what we enjoy and we have a passion for. What went wrong there? Because he had one part 
of the media saying that there was reports that he was getting traded. He was he was getting shopped, which means you're getting traded, right? I mean, there's no mm-hmm. ifs or buts about it. Then you have another report with another reporter who's been in there for over 25 plus years, who then says, uh, "I've heard that you know that his name is on the block, but they're not willing to do that. They just want to know what they'll get for him." What was the actual truth into that? And do you think that could affect um, Xavier Howard's relationship with the team or? Or whatnot, because that to me was just insane. There's no way that you're going to sign a Byron Jones to that contract and think that you're going to trade Xavier Howard, um, you know, right off that defense because those two work hand in hand, right? Because you know you can possibly win a lot of games um, in the upcoming future, especially not with Tua if he succeeds. I mean, why would you do that? Yeah, I, I didn't understand it right away either. I thought maybe okay, maybe they're going to try to allocate you know funds to another position, but as I understand it. It's just teams that have called the Dolphins and, uh-huh. and inquired about the availability of Xavier Howard. And the Dolphins said, no, he's not available. Uh, you got to remember the first thing that this team did when they when they signed Brian Flores to be the coach. Was trade everyone that, that, that didn't want to be here. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then, they, and then uh, Chris Greer was made the general manager. And what was the first thing that he did as a general manager? Was give a $75 million contract to Xavier Howard. Now, why would they trade a guy that was their first piece, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I think that this was just, you know, the Sun Sentinel guys heard from somebody else. Okay, you know, somebody made an offer for Xavier Howard, and then they just ran with it without consulting the team. And that's what what upset the Dolphins because they wanted to be consulted so they could actually deny it just like they did. Like they said, you know, he is not on the block and we're not trading him. Of course. No, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Listen, me and you, we've been there. You know what I'm saying? Like, those are things that obviously before you even print anything about it. But, you know, listen, I get it. It's been 2020. You work off clicks, man. But sometimes, you know, things like this should just be double checked, triple checked. Um, because the last thing you want is to come out with news like this. Listen, we understand what happened to Ryan Fitzpatrick. He found out um, that he wasn't starting anymore, that it was Tua um, when Coach Flores had to call him in. Like, the man found out getting calls saying that, listen, it's all over media, it's all over social media and stuff, which I think that right there didn't, you know, to me, I thought that was horrible. That was an absolute disgrace. Um, You know, I am not an NFL player, and I understand that Tua does give this team a better position to win games, but I feel that Ryan Fitzpatrick has done everything he could in his possible way to win as much as he can here down here, and I felt that the man should have been more respected than that, but of course, we know how that goes. So, um, all right, so... Prediction time. Um, listen, I've liked Tua since the moment he entered the draft room. You can ask uh, Nick Alf. To me, I've wanted Tua to be that guy for the Dolphins. The Dolphins did draft him. Nick is not so much of a Tua guy, but I am. You know what I'm saying? We've all watched him play through Alabama. We've seen what he can do. To me, he's the most accurate passer that I've seen in quite some time. However, having said that, I just think it's too much of a tough task to ask him um, you know, to beat a Rams defense, which is their primary um, side in this team. To me, it's 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 their it's their you know it's their spine, it's their heartbeat, it's everything that a body needs to begin with. It's the Rams defense. Not saying that he needs to you know throw for three hundred yards and five touchdowns to win the game. I just feel like the game will be close, but at some point, um, either in the second half, third quarter per se, I think that the Rams defense finally figure it out. Um, and they, you know, they will, and I feel like they'll win this game probably by 10. So I'm probably going to say, um, 27, 17. Um, I still think Tua will play well. Um, I, you know I'm saying? I just don't want 
Um, you know, obviously, listen, we know how the Dolphin fans are, right? It's like, oh, put him in, put him in, put him in. Well, now that he's in, the first throw that, you know, the first time he has a sack or, or like a bad play, oh, great, you know. I, I totally forgot that, that he's a rookie, right? <laughs> or, or, like, or something like that. So, Okay. Alpha, what do you think this one's going to end up at? I think the I, I think actually the opposite. I think the Dolphins have a lot of matchups they can get to in this game. And if they're patient enough, they'll keep it close. And they'll, they're at home. They have the weather on their side. And I don't know if Sean McVay is patient enough to run the ball 35 times because I think that's what he's going to need to do to win the game. So if they can induce the, the Rams into throwing it a whole bunch, Dolphins tend to win a lot on third down, especially with their defense. I think they'll keep it close, and they have the best kicking game in the NFL. So I think a field goal by Jason Sanders wins it. And wins it late, twenty three twenty. Yeah, unfortunately, the Rams don't have a kicker, or they thought they did. <laughs> Kept missing extra points. Well, we got we got the new guy, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, I think the game's gonna be relatively close. I think something along the line of twenty four seventeen with the Rams coming out on top. Uh, I'm putting faith in the fact that Sean McVay doesn't do the ego play calling that we've seen in the past couple of weeks. And he actually does commit to running the ball. I think if he does that, this shouldn't be that close of a game, but we'll see. Um, it, we've seen also the past couple of years when the Rams travel to the East coast and they have to play in the early windows. They are, I believe the record was something like seven and two over the past two or three seasons. Mm -hmm. So they seem to do well when they have to travel and go to the East coast. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. I feel like the one thing that's the X factor in all of this that no one really knows is how is Tua going to play? Are we going to see a guy that comes in and he's going to be just a complete pocket passer and he wants to complete passes that way? Or is he going to be more in the line of like a Kyler Murray where he can kind of be a little bit mobile um, and throw fastballs outside the pocket? That part we don't really know because we haven't seen him play yet. So that part is what's scary. I mean, for me as a Rams fan, that X factor of what kind of tour are we going to get? Um, well, that's the thing about Tua Tungavailoa. When did he make his debut in college? He made his debut in college down two touchdowns at halftime. To Georgia. In the, yeah. in the national championship. Game. <laughs> the biggest stage. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's one thing about everybody said, oh, he's going to have the rookie jitters. Yeah, he might be, he might be a little nervous because he mm. has to be because it's the NFL. But he's, he's a cool guy. Like he'll execute whatever game plan they put in front of him. Oh, real, real quick on my, on my side. Sorry to uh, interrupt there. What does a successful Tua season look like? Some wins. That's what what he's trying so pressure to do. already. Pressure already with wins. Yes, uh, okay. they're making they're making the change for a reason, and mm -hmm. we we have it on pretty good authority inside that building. They felt that they were better than their record at three and three. So, well, the division's wide open as well, because as we saw by the Patriots, I mean, listen, for... Yes, if for, the Dolphins, for, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if the Dolphins win on Sunday and New England, I know that New England's terrible, but if New England beats Buffalo and the Dolphins win on Sunday, guess who's in first place? The Miami Dolphins. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> who would have thunk it? Yes, exactly. <laughs> who who would have thunk it that they would be rooting for the Patriots to win a game on Sunday? But, yeah, that's where they are right now. They feel that way, so it's time to either be right or be wrong, you know. But, yeah, a successful season has to be, you know, stay healthy through the 10 games and win some games, you know. it's That's what it's about. It's about 
you know, execution. And then next year you worry about going further as far as winning play games in the playoffs and winning 11, 12 games. But this year is just about competing, making a run at a playoff spot in December. Okay. I think that's fair. I mean, like you said, division's kind of wide open with the exception of the Bills seem to be a pretty good team. Um, and then we've seen with the expanded playoff format this year, there's going to be an extra team making it from both conferences. So even if the Dolphins don't win the division, there's a, still a fair shot that they could still get in. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, before we get out of here, Alf, do you want to go ahead and let us know where we can find you on social and where we can find your podcast, all that good stuff? Yeah, you can find my podcast anywhere you get your podcast. It's uh, three yards per carry. That's the number three yards per carry. And on Twitter, the same way, at the number three yards per carry. And you can find myself, Alfredo Artiaga, Chris Kaufman, Simon Clancy. We're all on there. And, of course, uh, Five Reasons Sports, the YouTube account. I do a yard work series every week, which is a chalk talk. I even have a chalk talk right there diagnosing the L.A. Rams this week. So you can check that out at the Five Reasons Sports Network YouTube account. Awesome. Yeah, that's that should definitely be a must-watch then. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks for joining us this week. We appreciate it. Hopefully, we'll get to do it again sometime. All right, thanks for having me, guys. Thank you all. Appreciate it, man. No problem.